and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's episode, I have Guy Sullivan with me. He is part of our L&D department. He's an L&D specialist level three, uh, but he actually has a wealth of experience. So Guy, maybe we could start with you sharing a little bit about your background in L&D and even in the HR space. Um, I actually started my career in the financial world. My folks told me you'd always get a job if you do finance. Uh, not the most exciting arena, but I actually learned a lot about payroll. I did payroll, accounts payable, accounts receivable. And then I migrated into HR. I was an HR generalist, and then I became an HR manager. And then I got interested in training, and I was lucky enough to migrate into training. I became a facilitator, and I've been doing that for the last about uh, 14 to 15 years. So, Guy, I'm super excited. I love your background. Um, I'm even more excited that we are in the studio. So this is the first time in a year I've been in the studio to record with somebody. And you just happen to be in the office today. So this right. is like perfect timing. Live and in person. Right. So our topic today is SMEs or subject matter experts or SMEs. Everybody has like a little bit of a different way of pronouncing that word. Why do we need to work with SMEs uh, in our roles? Well, I think because they are, you know, they're the closest to the process. They're in the know. Uh, they know what, what's expected. Oftentimes they know where the deficiencies are. Um, so I think they give us a lot of information that we can use to make sure that we, as uh, trainers, facilitators, are making sure that the training we provide hits the mark and fills the need. When you've worked with SMEs in the past, how have you gone about, so let's say you have this idea like, hey, I need this training. I need to go down this road. I see this gap. How do you start to identify those SMEs in your organization and who you want to tap to make sure that the content you're creating aligns with some of those objectives you talked about? Well, I've been here for 12 years, so I have a lot of relationships. So I tap into the folks that I know have uh, that natural mentor ability that people come to them looking for answers of questions. So I tap into them, the ones that actually are going to be, you know, uh, have knowledge about what we're trying to fill. So I, I tap into those folks first. And if they're not the experts, I ask them, you know, based on their knowledge, who would they suggest that I go to, to get more knowledge to figure out how we fill that need? I think that's interesting. You know, I've worked in a lot of different industries and I think sometimes we think of SMEs as like these, um, golden apples, for lack of a better expression, <laughs> diamonds in the rough, like, you know, they're hard to find. But I think if you open your mind up to what a SME is, they're all around you. You know, when I think of, you know, the manufacturing situation and some of the training that's revolved around something simple as like forklift training or how to climb a ladder. I know that's something that a lot of people in manufacturing have to cover. Um, that might not, you might not need a SME for that, but I want the audience to start to think about, you know, what are the different things that you have to accomplish and train and, um, you know, on your checklist that maybe there's people in your organization who've either are doing some of that right now or have done it in the past. And I really like that you touch base on relationships because that really does connect the dots when you're trying to work on some of these initiatives. How have you tackled working with a SME and really bringing content to life? You know, I work a lot with our CHRO on curating her content 
Um, and that relationship I lean on heavily to make sure that I'm bringing it to life. What are some tips that you have as people work with SMEs to do that? See, what, what I do is I try to gain as much information from them as I can. Um, I don't worry about, I don't really worry about the, the essence of training it. I want the information. Then I take it back and I work with my instructional designer and it's okay. How do we take that information and think about adult learning theories? How do we take that and make sure that the content they gave us, we can create the content that's going to relate to the learner. Um, the activity is going to relate to the learner and in the end result, it's going to hit our objective, or our intent for the gap that we're trying to fill. Do you have any um, tips or tricks or questions that you ask that help the SME kind of open up um, and give you those richer answers? Uh, most of the time, I think, again, if I'm not asking them to present, just to tell me, I think they're pretty forthcoming with their information. Yeah, sometimes you have to ask them a little more specific questions and try to get to the point. But I think when they realize that they are the expert, that they have the information that gives them some energy and they're kind of engaged. And sometimes they give you more than you need, which is great. Um, but I don't really have, I haven't had an, a, a problem digging it out if I start asking questions. I, I kind of you know, use the flattery thing. You know, you're the expert here. You do this every day. You know, and t tell me like I am, you know, a child. I have no idea what I'm doing. Tell me how you would get this done or what we need to do to make it better. I love that. I love flattery. Yes, right. It works. <laughs> um, what's the benefit to working with SMEs inside your organization rather than, you know, hiring somebody outside to do the work? I think the biggest thing, it's, uh, you know, cost effective. It's expensive to go outside. Um, plus, I think they know the lay of the land. They know our customers. They know our, our processes. They know our weaknesses. So I think you've got a great uh, foundation there to start with. And then you can tap into that information and find out what's really going on. You know, because oftentimes they're on the front lines and they know exactly what they struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis, what their peers struggle with, what our clients struggle with, um, how the product isn't meeting the need or the expectation. So I think that that's the, the advantage of going inside, I think. In working with internal, is there, do you ever run into any sort of bias when you're working with a SME, either... Uh, from an expectation of what they think the learner needs to know compared to kind of some of the knowledge you've gathered as far as adult learning and, and how content needs to be created, you know, navigating their vision versus the optimal vision of content. I don't know if I've actually run it. I can see how that could happen, um, but I haven't really run into that myself personally. Um, I, I think sometimes I get, what I tend to get is I will go to maybe a, a higher level and I'll ask them, hey, what do you think the, the problem is? What is the need? And they'll give me something. Then I'll go to the front line. And I'll ask them, hey, you know, you do this every day. What do you think the need is? Sometimes I get see a disconnect there. And then what I try to do with that is I try to maybe shadow that person for a while and see in their day-to-day, -day, what are the things that they're struggling with that relate to what I'm trying to teach or the, uh, the knowledge gap that I'm trying to fill? And then I kind of get a better perspective on, you know, maybe there's a gap between the higher level and lower level, or, and I can help fill that, but it gives me a better perspective, I think. I like that you brought this up because I think it kind of expands our idea of what a SME is. So there's, there's the SME in the sense of the person you're partnering with to create the content, but then there's also the, the person who's consuming the content, and they're a SME to an extent of um, digesting the content anyway. So I like that you brought that up because I think it's important to think about that. We talk about that a lot in getting feedback on different types of HR initiatives is sometimes unless you have that front line or the person who's actually going to be experiencing it, feedback from them, you can really miss the mark 
uh, mm-hmm. and what you're creating. So I love that you brought that up. Um, so what if you have a SME in your organization that your employees would love to hear from? They, they value them. You hear good things about them. But honestly, they just have stage fright. And so the idea of kind of them stepping in to help or present or give their expertise, what are some ways that you've helped them kind of come out of their shell a bit? The first thing I try to tell, and I tell my other trainers this as well, is be yourself because people will respect if you come in and you're your authentic self. Don't try to be this slick, you know, trainer with the trainer voice. You know, that, they don't want that. People want to see a real person who is interested. You don't have to be interesting. Be interested in what you're saying because if you're interested in what you're saying, your audience will be interested in what you're saying. Um, I tell them to, to breathe because, you know, oxygen helps with the brain. It also helps to calm you down. And those are the, probably the biggest things. I, I, I don't want them to worry about being perfect. I, don't, I want them to realize they have a wealth of information they can share. Just have a conversation. We talk about, you know, the voice of paylocity. Be approachable. Be open. Have a conversation. You know, just, just like you're talking to a friend. That's kind of the biggest thing that I try to stress to them. It's the same tactic I use when I bring guests on the podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, and there's something to be said about that. You know, I... So in our last, one of our last episodes that we recorded around video learning, you know, Rob Onkin, one of, one of our other leaders talked about some of those same things. And, um, one of his pieces of advice, you know, and our listeners will be familiar with this was do some practicing. I loved that. Like start recording, just practice yourself. I think that's awesome. Um, especially as you, you know, work with SMEs, if you're going to have them come in for a portion of whatever content you're creating. I do the same thing. I, I tell our trainers, I say, um, you know, I want you to do two things. I want you to record yourself and listen to yourself. And I want you to record yourself and turn the volume off and see what your body language is saying. And if the message that you're saying with your body is the intent that you wanted to, the message you wanted to send to your audience. Oftentimes it's not. I love that tip. I have not heard that one before. What a great idea. Um, Cause yeah, if your body mm-hmm. language is, is conveying closedness and, and some of those um, not collaborative styles of communication that could really hurt your message for sure. Yeah. Because they say if, if your verbal and your nonverbal are not in sync, the audience will believe you're nonverbal. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, with your role in L and D, how do you describe the relationship that you've developed with SMEs over the years? I think it's been really strong for me because I've trained a lot of people who come to, I, I used, for the first seven years, I trained our front lines. That's all I did for, for seven years. So I could see the folks that I knew other people naturally migrated to. So I would keep an eye on that person. And when I found a need, I would go to that person and say, Hey, you know, you did a great job in my class. I see people come to you and ask you questions and you're willing to share your answers. I need your help on this. So I've, I've had, I haven't had any problems getting uh, SMEs to, to buy in. I get it. Sometimes you get a little feedback about, it. I don't want to talk in front of people. Yeah. I'll tell you, you, you put it together in a training and you, you give it, I'm okay with that. Um, but if I can get them to go in front of an audience, I'd rather do that as well. But um, I haven't really, I've had pretty, a pretty easy time of getting it actually. You know, another thing that I think is something we should talk about is, you know, sometimes it's not just the SME that's involved in, you know, creating content. You know, we just, did a huge revamp of our new employee orientation slash onboarding program. And um, there was, you know, 20 people on this team, stakeholders, instructional designers, facilitators, uh, project coordinators, all types of people were involved in this project. Um, 
our listeners might not have that big of a team, but what are some examples, or maybe there's a use case you can walk me through where you've kind of from beginning to end in, in a project? Okay. Yeah. I think a mistake that people make, and, and we've made it in our past here as well, is we, you know, the, the instructional designer gets the need, does the analysis, and then starts creating the training. And they pull in the SMEs as well. The facilitator's kind of left out of the picture until the content is created. And then it's, okay, here, go and facilitate this. What we're trying to do here, and we've been doing successfully, is bring the facilitator in during the analysis process so they can hear what the need is, how we intend to fill it, get some feedback from the SME, and then understand the activities, the objective, what we're trying to do. Then it's their turn to take it back and then make it authentic to themselves, but make sure as they're practicing and, and preparing that they're still being true to the intent and the objective. Um, because again, like we said, we want you to be, when you are facilitating, to be authentic. But when you're authentic, you still have to make sure that the true purpose of the class, the objective, the intent that the ID and the SME had is coming through in order to make sure you are filling the need of the department, the team, the organization. Yeah, I love that. I think there's, there's definitely coaching if you're handing off training to a facilitator. If they're not involved, um, they can kind of end up facilitating very robotically because they don't have the passion or the investment in the program. Um, and it also gives them the ability to answer questions, you know, when you get questions. Well, you think about it. We talk about how do you get employees engaged? You get them involved. So if you want a facilitator to be engaged, get them involved from the beginning so they see the progression, they see how things work, they think, see how things grow, and then now they've been a part of it, so it helps you to be more engaged. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for all the great tips. Um, I really like working with our L&D team. Guy, thanks for taking a few minutes today. Well, thank you for having me here. Thank you for having me here. That was my pleasure. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.